The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. This sure is, uh, makes me happy to be here with you. I enjoy it very much. And uh, I'm thankful that you came, especially if you're new with us. We're, we're glad you came. It's always uh, funny or strange to go to a new group or, or to go to church, maybe for the first time or the first time in a while. And so I appreciate you being here, um, especially because we're just getting started. This is just our fourth meeting, so we're trying to create something to build something. So when you come, uh, it, it's a big part of, of, um, of just putting something together. We want to build a community, so we'll hope you will keep coming. I want to talk to you tonight about... Um, the meaning of religion, or how to, I guess how to think about religion. The reason we're doing a meaning of series, by the way, is uh, I wonder, I feel like people just have this idea of Christianity that you just got to follow some rules, and that doesn't seem very meaningful or valuable. And so we'll just go do things on our own. And so when Christians say, oh, we should do this or do that, there's no, there's no why. why. Why would you believe that? Why would you do that? And so that's what we're trying to cover. So the, the first week was, why, why would you do church? Um, second week was, why would you believe the Bible? So I try to do my best to give us reasons why the New Testament especially is trustworthy. Last week is, why would you believe in, why would you, uh, believe in justice? What's the, the basis for that? So those are on the website. If you want to check them out, um, you can. Tonight... Why religion, or, what should, or how should we look at religion? Obviously, uh, you know, I'm laughing at myself as I pick these topics because they're so epic and massive, and I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I can't answer these questions in the short of time, or, or maybe at all. But tonight, you know, the small, easy question, um, how do you get to God? And what part does religion play in that? So what are the, what are the buzzword questions out there about, um, what's the buzz on religion? I want to I think of three challenges to religion one is the challenge of negativity. How many of you thought, you know what, religions are just full of evil, they're the cause of so much evil in the world, let's just light the thing on fire and move on without religion, okay? That's a, that's a common thought process out there. Look, look at the wars around the world, look at the, the judgmentalism, uh, the pain that is caused by religion. Re- Christopher Hitchens used to say before he, before he uh, died that religion was the problem. So let's just get rid of religion. So there's the challenge of negativity. Also, then there's kind of the other side of the coin on the challenge is the challenge of uniformity. How many of you or maybe your friends have ever said, all religions are the same? They're just all the same. Um, and so what's, why should I follow this one or that one? You know, I'll dip my toes in here or there when I need to. But they're really just the same. What's the point? So that's the challenge of uniformity. Got to think about that a little bit. And then lastly is the challenge of exclusivity. And that is... You know, Christians will say, and I'm going to say it tonight, that Jesus is the way to God, and he's the only way. And so people say, well, that is the most narrow-minded, arrogant, bigoted thing I've ever heard, that you would be so exclusive. How can you say you have the only way? So three challenges, negativity, uniformity, exclusivity. Easy, right? (laughs) <laughs> okay, you guys, you guys with me on this? Here we go, we'll give it a shot. As we do that, I want to read to you some words that Jesus said that blow all this up. I'm a huge fan of Jesus. I love Jesus. Look at what he says here. John chapter 14, 
we read it with me? This is our scripture passage for tonight. It's all we're looking at. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That answers every challenge. It answers every challenge. And it's my job to show you. So here we go. We'll give it a shot. Number one, what about the challenge of negativity? Religions are evil, so let's, let's be done with them. You know what? When, when people say, guess what? Religions are evil. Guess what my first response is? You are so right. <laughs> they are so. They, have, they do so much evil. And then, and then when people say, and Christians have done evil. You know what I say after that? You are so right. They have done evil. And let me... Let me take it one step further for you. I'm a Christian, and I have done so much evil. So much evil. It's true. Religions do. Or I guess a lot of evil is done in the name of religion. But if you're going to... Can I give you some advice? Because I'm one of the old people in the room. You know, the old, old guy advice. Here's some, here's some advice. Will you, will you do me a favor, and when you doubt, will you doubt your doubts too? When you doubt, doubt your doubts. So apply the same, if you're, if, you're, if you're thinking about Christianity, you're doubting part of it, fine, do it. You should do it. I want you to test it. I want you to question it. And just by the way, I want to be available to all of you. If you have a question on anything, email me. I'll, I'll talk to you about it. I'll do my best for you on anything. I want to be available to you. But, so, so doubt Christianity, fine, test it, try it. If it's true, it'll hold water. If it won't, it won't, and then we'll be done. We'll do something else. But apply the same doubts to your own belief system. Because nobody believes nothing. And so if you're going to apply a doubt to Christianity, it's only rational to apply that same challenge to your own belief system. Right? And so Christopher Hitchens, uh, you guys know who he is? Oh, he's like, he was like the world famous atheist, man. He, He wrote... He wrote books. He debated uh, for atheism. He was also a political commentator, um, well-respected. Um, so, so he was a big atheist debater. <clears throat> and so he would say, you know, religion is evil. And, and, um, and any, a lot of some atheists I've kind of debated with for fun sometimes, so they'll call out Christianity or religions for being evil. Okay. And, and what's, what did I say? Yeah, you're right. They are. Do atheists ever do evil? Is atheism the answer for the world today? I got a quote for you. It's kind of lengthy. It's on there. This guy named Mitch Stokes wrote a book called A Shot of Faith to the Head, and he quotes David Berlinski, who has this big, big work on, um, on death in the 20th century. And look at what it says here in this quote. David Berlinski's The Devil's Delusion somberly lists the number of deaths in the 20th century's wars, a total in untold millions, far more than anything seen or imagined previously. And most of these wars have been conducted by extremely serious atheists. Atheists who have taken blind evolution just as seriously. It's fairly obvious that it was the implications of atheism, with its lack of restraint, that have led to far more suffering than anything religion has devised. So if you look at the history of the world, especially recently, it's not just religious people doing evil. Atheists are doing evil. And so the big question is really, why is everybody so evil? (laughs) 
Why are we all so evil? What's our problem? And so now you're into things like worldviews. How do you see the world? And this is what really religion is all about. I'll get to it later. But religion is asking the big questions of life. So religion asks, well, what's ultimate reality? Where did we come from? What are humans like? Second thing. The third thing we'll ask is, well, what's the problem? Why are we so screwed up? The fourth one will be, well, what's the fix? And the fifth one is, well, how should we live? Every religion is trying to answer those questions. Okay? So your job and my job is to say, which, which one gives the truth? And in this case, which one gives the resources to be tolerant and to be loving to people who are different than you? Because isn't that part of the problem? So which way of looking at the world has the most realistic view of humanity? If we're all talking about, okay, everybody's evil, look at all these wars, uh, which, which worldview can give you an answer to why humans are the way they are? Well, think about what Christians say about humanity. We're made in the image of God. We looked at that last week. That's the source of justice. You can't have justice without it. And so it gives amazing dignity and value to human beings. That's why we're so, there's such beauty, such, such generosity, such sacrifice, such, such, uh, such creativity, such love. We're made in God's image. And everyone, every single one has value, no matter their race, no matter their status, no matter their power, no matter their gender. We're all made in the image of God. And yet, Christianity tells us, uh, very early, we, we call it the fall. We fell into rebellion. We said, we can do this, God, without you. We'll replace you. And that has led to evil. And even evil in religions. Who was it that killed Jesus, by the way? Do you know? It wasn't the tax collectors or the mafia or the drug dealers. It wasn't the gangbangers. It was the religious people. It was the religious people who killed Jesus. So, which, so Christianity explains why it's this way, why evil is everywhere. And then it also gives us the resources to love our, our neighbor, love our enemy, and offer true tolerance. So let me try to get a little more technical with you, okay? I think one reason religion does so much evil is that it stirs up pride. Stirs up pride. So every religion will have a standard, okay? So this is what it means to be a good person. They'll make, they'll make up a standard, all right? And then they'll always um, shrink the standard because God's standard is, is perfect. But, but religions will shrink the standard and, will, and they'll make it something attainable that they think they can do. Although even in their own standards, they don't keep that either. Do you keep your own standards, just as an aside? <laughs> okay, you get pissed when people gossip about you and then you gossip, right? We don't even keep our own standards, much less God's. But religion will will invent a standard, and they'll shrink it down and and make it seem attainable. And then some people will accomplish it, and then how do they feel after they've accomplished the standard? Oh, I'm good. Look at me, I did it. And then how will they look at people who haven't accomplished the standard? Oh, you suck. And so because I've accomplished the standard, I deserve power. And because you haven't kept the standard... I can abuse you. I can mistreat you. And so violence occurs. Um, 
Think of American slavery early in our history. What was the standard to have dignity and excellence in that system? You had to be white, right? That was the standard. You had to be white. And so if you were white, if you had that standard, well, now you, are, you have value and worth. And if you're not white, specifically if you're black, well, you didn't meet the standard. And so then what are you? You're less. You're an animal. And therefore, we can enslave you. That's religion. Or I've, I've, been to, uh, I've been to India and Nepal a couple of times, and I've seen Hinduism at work. Okay? The standard there is if you, if, if you keep some rules, if you do the right thing, if you're a good person, your karma will carry you, and you can have a better life the next time because you were good. But if you were a jackass, you'll have a worse life the next time. So let's create the caste system. And you've got somebody like the Brahmin at the top, and they're the holy, the good people. And then you've got something like the Dalit at the bottom. And because we have the standard, I was good in my past life. Or because I'm, I'm a part of this, this tribe, this ethnic group. I can mistreat the Dalit. Why? Well, they must have been evil in their past life. They didn't keep the standard. So we don't have to treat them well. Do you see how this works? It leads to pride. Or um, Islamic jihad is the same thing, Right? We keep the law. We keep the rules. And if you don't, we will, ISIS will cut your head off. We have pride. We can do this because we've kept, so, so they shrink the standard. Then they say they've attained it. And then they have the right to dominate those who haven't. Okay, what about Christianity? Real, what about Jesus? What's he say? I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What did he just do with the standard? Did he say, keep these ten rules and you can make it to the Father? He just blew up the standard. He blew up religion. He blew it up. And he made it personal. I am the way. And now, so let's ask, how did he make the way? How did he become the way? Well, he's the only one who kept the real standard, God's standard of holy perfection. He's the one who did it. He lived the perfect life. He accomplished it. And then the cross. Why the cross? He went to the cross for you, for me, as a substitute in our place. He paid the just penalty I deserve and that you deserve for your rebellion, for your sins, for your breaking the law. He paid it. And then he rose from the dead in victory and his promise is, if you'll repent of all your other, your, all your other kings, your gods, your treasures, and you'll trust me, you'll make me number one, my life will count for you. It's as if you lived perfectly. My death will count for you. You'll be totally forgiven. My resurrection will count for you. You'll have new life. I'm the way. And so, think with me, if it's pride and religion that leads to this evil, what does Jesus and his cross do to your pride? The cross and pride are like oil and water, right? They can't go together. Jesus' cross says to you, first of all, this is how bad you are. <laughs> the Son of God has to die for you. Jesus didn't get grounded for your sins. Did you ever wonder about this? He didn't get his hand slapped for your sins. He didn't have to go to bed without dinner for your sins. Because those are small things. He went to a cross for your sins. That's how gnarly your sins are, and mine too. 
Okay? So it humbles me. Uh, what do I have to boast in towards other people? Did I keep the standard and therefore I deserve power and I can mistreat you? No way. The cross tells me I didn't come anywhere close to keeping a standard. And so it equalizes us. We're all sinners before a holy God. And yet, the cross not only humbles me, what, is it, what else does it tell? What else does it tell me? Not only does it say, you're so bad I had to die for you, it says, you're so loved that I would die for you, that I did die for you. This is amazing, because it not only humbles you, but it lifts you up, and it says, yeah, you're bad, but yeah, you're loved. You're loved. You're loved. Jesus died for his enemies. I was an enemy, and he died for me to win me. He made me right. He's the way. And so that humbles me, and it totally changes the outlook on how I should see other people. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43. This is the law of the land. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? Who doesn't want to hate? How how many of you, that comes natural for you? You hate your enemy. Okay, that's easy for me. I don't have to pray about that. Comes right out. I love my friends, hate my enemies. Yeah, not anymore. Not if, you, not if you follow Jesus is the way. I say to you, love your, love your enemies. There's a video going viral on YouTube of this little girl forgiving ISIS. ISIS chased her family out of the area. You've heard of ISIS right in the Middle East, killing a bunch of people. And there's all these Christians forgiving them, saying we're praying for them. We're praying, we're praying for their blessing. We're, and, and, the, and the world, even me, I'm like, How? How? Well, they follow the one who said to the people crucified him, who crucified him, Father, forgive them. I mean, look at Jesus. There's no other religious leader like this. There's no religion like this. He says, Father, forgive them as they drive the nails into him. That's different, you guys. And so it's Christianity when we see the cross that actually gives us the resources for real tolerance. Because you and I, if you're a Christian, you cannot hate ISIS and want revenge. Do we want God to bring justice? Yes, we do. And he will. But what's our call for them or for any enemy in your life? Love them. Why? Because you are the enemy who was loved. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. And that's why Christianity, when it comes to, hey, all religions are evil, Christianity is the answer for why it's like this and the resources to be different because it breaks our pride and yet it lifts us up as being so loved. Jesus is unique, totally unique. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's why I always want to emphasize Jesus at my church, because church without Jesus is terrible. Church without Jesus is terrible. You know, I've talked to tons of people who say, I don't want to go to church. I was hurt. I went to church and I was hurt. Can I just tell you that pastors, we don't just live in the land of unicorns and, and buckets of gold at the end of the rainbow when it comes to church. <laughs> I've been hurt by church too. I've hurt people in my church. Hurting is part of this. We're all sinners. We hurt each other. What's the fix? Jesus. He's the way. So the answer to the negativity is, because of pride, religion is awful, but Jesus gives and enables humility and love even for enemies. That's different. That's unique. 
Okay, what about uniformity? Now we're just changing the channel real quick. Aren't all religions basically the same? They're trying to connect to ultimate reality. They say, be good, love, pray. It's all the same. And maybe you've heard this example. Maybe, maybe religion, it's like a mountain, right? There's God at the top, and then if you were... If you were far away, you could see one path going over this way and one path going over that way. And you'd be like, well, religions are the path, and maybe they go different ways around the mountain. But in the end, they're all going to the top of the mountain. All religions are the same. They all take you to God. What do you think of that? Hmm. While you're thinking of that, I'm going to take a pause and ask one of you kind souls to get me a glass of water. Thanks. Well, let's ask this. What is religion? I told you it's a it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a worldview. It's trying to understand life, right? So it's asking five basic questions. Ultimate reality, where'd we come from? Nature of humanity, what are people like? What are we for? What's the problem? Why are we so screwed up? Four, what's the solution? How do we get fixed? Five, okay, what do we, how should we live now? Okay, and everybody has a religion they live by. So if you're not a Christian, just for your own well-being, for your fun right now, ask yourself, what is my worldview? What is reality? What are people like? A lot of people live in the religion of I don't knowism. <laughs> right? I don't know. 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 Gosh, these are important questions. <laughs> we want to find out what it is. So everyone has a religion they live by. Um, and so religions are the same, sure, in that they're getting to some of these questions, right? They're trying to figure out what life is about. And because we're made in the image of God and common sense tells us, yeah, love is a good thing. Okay? But religions can't be all the same because they answer all those questions so differently, right? They're the same except for they're different on God, people, the problem, the solution, morals, and meaning. Other than that, they're identical. They can't be the same. So when people, ask, when people say, aren't all religions all the same? I always want to be like, well, which religions have you studied the most? Because as soon as you listen to the different claims of different religions... You see, they're not the same at all. We had some people come by here once to try to rent our building. And uh, this lady and this gentleman, they came in, and they were like, well, we, we're interested in maybe renting your building. We could use it one night a week. So, all right, I started engaging in conversation with them, and then I was like, so, so what do you guys believe? What are you after? You know, I kind of was guessing they were Christian because there's a big cross in our building, so maybe they would be Christian too. And they said, well, we like the teachings of, uh, of Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad, and we like to combine them. It's really hard for me not to throw up in my mouth at that point. But I just said, okay, well, what, what do you do with all the contradictions? Um, just an honest question. What do you do with all the questions? And this lady looked at me in the eye and she said, we just ignore them. <laughs> That's what you have to do if you want to say all religions are the same. Um, and so really... Again, we look at Jesus. We're asking, which religion is the best way to understand reality? And Jesus, he almost, he didn't even give us a religion. Again, verse 6 of John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All other religions are similar in that they have teachers saying, this is the way. Right? Muhammad said, this is the way. He never said, I am the way. Buddha said, oh, that's the way. He never said, I am the way. Joseph Smith said, this is the way. He never said, I am the way. Nobody says, I am the way, except, except for who? Jesus. See, religions say 
and I, I really think this is true, every religion in the world says you have to do a certain behavior in order to gain an identity. Do a behavior to gain an identity. All right, let's plug this in. Do, do the five-fold path in Islam and become one of the people. But you have to do it. Okay? Accomplish something to become someone. And this happens in our lives too, doesn't it? Uh, ladies, isn't it tempting? When you look at all the magazines at the grocery store and every commercial on television, um, to become someone, you need to look a certain way. You need to be hot and sexy and desirable to have value. That's what our culture is telling you all the time. It's, a, it's another sad religion, and it's works-oriented. Do this, and maybe just one day you'll be someone. You'll be wanted. Now, what a terrible thing to say to young ladies made in the image of God. That's really what religions do, and Jesus blows this up. Again, he didn't say, this is the way. What did he say? I am the way. So Christianity is not ultimately rule-based. It's person-based. It's a person who's alive today. And he doesn't say, if you do this, then I'll love you. Do you see how different this is? The whole world says, if you do this, you can be someone. Jesus says, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell of doing this. But Jesus says, I did it for you. I lived it for you. I died it for you. And so, Jesus says, if you just trust in me, I will give you an identity for free, right here and right now. The best identity you could possibly have, adopted by God himself, daughter of God. How'd you get it? Doing something? No. Trusting Christ. You're made righteous. You're loved. You're desirable. You're valuable. You're adopted. He's faithful to you. And then, Jesus says, because you have an identity... Now start to live like somebody who belongs to God. Identity first for free and then behavior out of it. So Christianity is not following the rules, hoping I get it right so one day God will love me. Gosh, that's awful. That's not good news. Christianity is Jesus did it for me perfectly. And I trust that. And so all that he is is mine. I have an identity. Now it's safe. I'm secure. I'm loved. And because of that... I want to follow him. Do you have somebody you love in your life? I hope so. If you love him, do you want to please him? Don't you want to please him? You don't want him to be disappointed in you? You want him to be proud of you? Because you care, you love him. Jesus says, I am the way. So later, the apostle Paul was saying, Corinthians, we do everything to please him. I just want to please him. Christianity is because Jesus has loved me and given me an identity. I, I want to live for him. That's what Jesus is saying in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't do it. I did it. You can't fix it. I fixed it. You don't have power. I'll give it to you. And Jesus says this because of who he is. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the who? Father. Hmm. And who is Jesus? God the Father. Jesus is God the, the Son. Uh, Muhammad never said, I am the divine Son of God. 
nor did Buddha, nor did anybody else. Everybody knew they would be exposed. You have to be mentally ill to say that. Jesus said it. What does this mean? Can all religions be the same if Jesus is the Son of God? Okay. What is, it, Jesus, did you know Jesus is in the Quran quite a bit? He's a prophet. They reject the idea that he died on a cross, because how could a prophet ever die on a cross? Um, he's in the Quran. But he's just a prophet. He's a good teacher. That's what we love today, right? Everybody loves Jesus as long as he's a good teacher. Because then it's like Golden Corral on Jesus' teaching. You ever go to Golden Corral? Me neither. But I've seen the commercials, okay? <laughs> Evidently, there's a buffet. You know, the, you know what you do with a buffet? You're walking through the buffet. You see the pile of bacon. You're like, I'll take some of that. You see the rubbery, squishy, steamed broccoli. And you're like, no thanks. <laughs> if Jesus is a good teacher, what do you do with the teachings that he gives you that you like? I'll have some of that. Thank you. And if you get to a teaching that he doesn't like, what do you do? I think I'll pass. If he's a good teacher, that's fair. He's just an advice giver. He's the biblical Dr. Phil. Take what you like. But if he's the son of God, you can't do that, right? If if he's the son of God and he gives you a teaching, yes, Lord, because he's king. I want to read you a line from C.S. From C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quotes in the whole world. It's long. It's three entire slides. So stay with me. C.S. Lewis is talking about whether or not Jesus is a good teacher. C.S. says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him as Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of thing Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg. That always makes me laugh. C.S. Lewis was British. They eat poached eggs. Okay? Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So with Jesus, you got two options. Fall at his feet as God and Savior, or... Run the other way. He can't be a maybe. He can't be a halfway. And this really answers that question of all, aren't all religions the same? Some of them out there have a lot of similarities. Jesus is unique. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. This leads us to our last challenge. It's the challenge of exclusivity. So Jesus, this is hard, right? He just drew a big line right down the world. I'm the way. I'm the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so a lot of times people will say, well, that's immensely bigoted and arrogant and closed-minded, Christian, for you to say that you have the only way. All right, well, let's test this. I was on a plane once, and I started talking to this guy about Jesus, and, and he told me he really didn't like it when Christians evangelize. 
I said, all right, how come? And then he explained to me for a long time that he was an atheist and this is what he thought and that was what he thought and et cetera. Fine, fine, I was glad to listen to it. But then I said to him, what are you trying to do for me right now? Well, I'm trying to convince you that you're wrong. Okay, what else are you trying to do? You're trying to convince me, this atheist guy, that you're right. Isn't that what you're trying to do? Yeah. I said, you know what that's called? That's called evangelism, brother. <laughs> you, you think I'm wrong, and so you're trying to give me some guidance and some clarity. And by the way, I appreciate that. That's fine. I'm all for exchanging ideas. Let's do it. But let's, let's be honest. If you're trying to convince me of a worldview, you're evangelizing me right now. You're telling me your way's better. Now, okay, let's, will you do this with me? Remember the illustration of the mountain and all the paths are going up to God? Okay. There's an assumption here in this illustration that, that, that shoots by so quick. We need, we need to catch it. Okay. So, so here's the outside observer saying, oh, see, all religions are the same. So Christian, you're, you're cocky to say you have the only way because really all religions get to God. But what is this person using this illustration assuming about their own perspective? They're assuming that they can see what no one else can see. Oh, those silly little Muslims on that path. All those silly little Christians on this path. You don't see, you're just on one of the paths. But I have seen. Right? I can see the whole mountain. I can see that all religions are the same. I can see that everyone's going to God. I know the truth. Believe thou what I preacheth unto you. What are they doing? They're making an exclusive line in the sand saying, what I believe is true and what you believe is false. So in accusing Christians of being arrogant or bigoted about saying Jesus is the only way, they're doing the same thing they're accusing Christians of. They're saying my way is the only way because I see all things. Now sometimes Christians are arrogant. I'll be uh, first person in line for that one, okay? I am arrogant sometimes. But that's inconsistent, isn't it, with what we believe, but it's also arrogant to say, oh, I know the truth always lead to God. Let's, let's put away arrogance for a while and just think with our brains. Jesus fulfilled scads of ancient prophecies from hundreds of years before he lived. Tons of them. Jesus did hosts and hosts of miracles that even his enemies admitted so. There's extra biblical Jewish literature calling Jesus a sorcerer. Why, I ask you? Why do you think they called him a sorcerer? Because he did miracles. Okay? They had, to, they had to answer it somehow. Jesus predicted his crucifixion and his resurrection hosts of times, and then he did it. What do you What do you want? What would he have to do to prove that he's the son of God? Fulfill hundreds of years of ancient prophecies perfectly, even ones he could never control, like where he was buried, where he was born. Miracles, death, resurrection, the most brilliant teaching, the highest ethical uh, teaching ever in history. And Jesus says, he is the only way. Here's something about truth. Sometimes truth is exclusive and intolerant. Do you know this about truth? For instance, uh, have you heard of gravity? 
What happens if we, uh, we climb up on the roof? Sometimes me and the kids go on the roof in the back because, you know, you can look at the stars. What happens if you jump off the side of the roof? You're going to fall. Why are you going to fall? It's gravity, okay? Now, maybe you and I, we could go up there and you could be like, you know, Matt, gravity's true for you. That's your personal opinion, and you're entitled to it. But me, I'm like R. Kelly. I believe I can fly. Okay? And we'll all just be like, that's stupid, right? Because what is it about gravity? It's not just true for you. It's true. It's exclusive and intolerant. It will always pull you down. Now, isn't there some, aren't there some benefits of recognizing what's true and living accordingly? It's understanding of gravity that enables us actually to fly in airplanes. It's understanding of gravity that enables us to go to the moon. When you see what truth is and you live accordingly, you found your freedom. You found what life's all about. So the exclusivity and intolerance of truth, if you run into it, if you, if you conflict with it, yeah, you'll break. But if you adhere to it, you'll live because it's real. Or how about eating, right? You need to eat to live. I know I'm a bigot. I'm arrogant, narrow-minded. You need to eat to live. Well, that's silly. We all know that. But listen, truth is like that. It is intolerant. Nobody's a relativist at stoplights. You know what a relativist is? All truth is relative. Okay, it's true for you. You just keep that to yourself. Nobody lives that way at stoplights. When it's red, what should you probably do? Okay, you can squeak in at the, you know, in the beginning. But towards the middle, what should you better do? You better stop because somebody else is going to fly by. And it won't be relative at all when those two cars hit. It'll be very true and intolerant. So you should stop. This is truth. Okay. So Christianity, is Christianity saying, hey, world, we're better than you. We Christians, we're better than you. Is that what we're saying? No. Christian, Christians, if we're, being, if we're having integrity, we are saying to the world, hey, world, we are just like you. Just like you. We're not saying we, we, we're special, or we're holy, or we're different in ourselves. We're not saying that. We're saying we're just like you. We're saying we think we found truth. And it's Jesus. And Jesus is unique. Who else ever claimed to be the son of God who put on human flesh? Is there any other religious teacher like this? He's the only one. He's unique. Who else you know, he actually said to his enemies, if anybody knows of a sin that I've committed, bring it up. Isn't that amazing? Would you ever say that in a group of your friends? Or how about if your mom was there? If anybody can bring up a sin, I dare you to do it. Your mom would be like... And so I was at a party once, and I was talking to a dude and his ex-wife. And I knew from other people's backstories, this dude had been a jerk to his ex-wife. And we started talking about religion and he looks at me and he goes, I'm a good person. I don't need anybody to save me. And I looked at his ex-wife and she just goes, <laughs> he said, what was the dirt that she had on him? He was, Jesus says, if anybody's got a sin on me, bring it. And everybody's like, well, we don't know any. What did they kill him for? What was his charge? Do you remember? He claimed to be the son of God. That's what they killed him for. He's unique. Who else could die for your sins on the cross? 
He had to be both human and divine. He had to be human so that he could represent humans. He had to be divine because if he was just a human, he could pay for one person's sins. But as, a, as the divine son of God, he can pay for everybody's sins. Who else can do that? Who else is like that? He rose from the dead after he predicted it. Do you know a lot of people who've pulled that off? Jesus is unique. He is true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except the room, just like gravity. He's real. He's true. And so, gosh, yeah, Christians, we are arrogant sometimes, but that's not from Jesus. That's our own sin still hanging around. The best case is when we're like one beggar telling the other beggar where the bread is, right? We're not saying we are the way, the truth, and the life. We're saying Jesus is because he's so unique. So religions are evil. Yes, they are, but that's because people are evil. But Jesus is different, and he gives us resources to love even our enemies. Uh, not Religions aren't all the same because Jesus... He stands out. He claimed to be the son of God. And instead of us trying to earn an identity with what we do, he gives it to us freely by his grace. And third, it's not bigoted to say that Jesus is exclusive. It's just like saying, it's like saying the sun is shining. It's like saying you have to eat to live. It's true. There's no one else like him. So I hope that as a result of of this thinking, you'll see more of how beautiful and unique and exceptional Jesus is. And really, guys, my goal for us all is that we be, well, if you're not a Christian, that you'd think, would Jesus let me in? And he would, even tonight. And if you are a Christian, that you'd see with just a little more clarity on how beautiful the Son of God is and what he's done for you. There's nobody like him. He humbles us and he lifts us up. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Lord Jesus. You are amazing. I pray you'd be speaking to us here tonight, moving in us, showing us more of who you are. Thank you for inviting us to know you as the way, the truth, the life, our way, our truth, our life, my way. Um, We want to know you. We want to follow you. Speak to us here. As we spend these last few minutes together, Lord, show us who you are, your love for us. Amen.